It's been a bit of a crazy morning. Um, we've got several of our heaters that haven't been working. This has been the first morning that we've actually been able to have some Bible studies in our facility since the tornado a year ago. Something to celebrate. But with that comes our desperate desire to keep each other safe. So making sure we've got all our protocols in place and people where they need to be and social distance and mask and all of those things, just a lot of moving parts. I would love it if you would join me for just a quick word of prayer to kind of to kind of get here, to get to this place, leave all of that behind and, and be with the Lord for just a few moments. Lord, it's my confession to you that my mind and probably my spirit are in a hundred different places. Bring us here. As we pray each week, we are humbled and amazed by your presence with us in this place. And grateful beyond measure that your presence is not relegated to this place. Center our minds, our hearts, and our spirits to your words this morning. Amen. My name is David. I'm the pastor here at the church at Lachlan Springs. I probably should have led with that. Um, if you are new with us this morning, if this is your first time, hear me say thank you. We are grateful with your presence. Um, we hope you feel welcome because you are welcome. We do not take for granted the fact that you took time out of your Sunday morning to come here or to watch us online and worship with us this morning. And I'm excited if it is your first time because this Sunday is going to be different than any Sunday in our three years as the church at Lachlan Springs. See, right now we are in the middle of a five-month series walking through the gospel of Luke. It would be impossible to walk through the gospel of Luke verse by verse in five short months. So we've broken it up into some bite-sized chunks, five kind of mini-series, so to speak. Today, we are beginning a new mini-series on the parables of Jesus Christ, those earthly stories with eternal meanings that he would tell during his public ministry. Now, Jesus' public ministry didn't start until he was 30 years old and only lasted about three years. But during those three years, he did and said so much. They were packed with teaching and preaching and healing and miracles, with deep friendships, with laughter and with tears and with eating and with drinking and with walking so, so much walking. As a matter of fact, John writes at the end of his gospel that if you were to attempt to write down everything that Jesus did and Jesus said during his ministry here on earth, the entire world couldn't contain the volumes. 
So whereas the Gospels couldn't give us a a detailed kind of blow-by-blow account of all 33 years of his life or his three years in ministry, they do give us incredible insight into his rhythms, into the way he taught, into the way he spent his time. We know that Jesus spent a great deal of time with his closest friends and followers in deep and intimate relationships. We know that Jesus spent a great deal of time fellowshipping, eating, and drinking, particularly with those that were marginalized by the culture and by organized religion at the time. We know that Jesus worked Sabbath and rest and time alone in prayer with his Father into his regular rhythms. We know that as Jesus traveled from village to village and town to town, he, yes, performed miracles. Yes, there were healings. He also spent an incredible amount of time with people teaching and preaching. Every one of the gospel writers points out that Jesus would make uh, the synagogue on the Sabbath a regular rhythm of his week, often preaching in the synagogues in a scene that will kind of be analogous to what we do here on Sunday mornings. But further, we know that more often when he was teaching, it wasn't in a situation like this. He didn't have the scrolls laid out in front of him. He wasn't in the synagogue. He was out with people, and he did so in a form of telling stories, these parables that we study. Mark tells us in Mark chapter 4 that when Jesus was with people, he always had a story ready at hand. He taught in stories so that they would better understand. We have kind of a detailed account of almost 40 stories, parables that Jesus would use to teach. Over the next few weeks, we're going to study several of those parables. This morning, we're going to start in Luke chapter 8, if you want to follow along with us. But this morning, as we're starting in these parables, we are going to do so in a manner different than anything we've ever done. We're going to attempt to kind of shake ourselves out of our Sunday morning comfort zone, and we are going to listen and learn in the way that the crowds would have learned at the feet of Jesus. You're going to be told a simple story a couple of times. And then we are going to process that story as a group together. You're going to be asked questions, and you're going to answer out loud. And it's going to make a lot of you really uncomfortable, and that's okay. Now, before you get too concerned and to go screaming for the back door, nobody is going to get called on. You don't have to say anything. But we are going to process verbally out loud. Even those of you watching online, we ask for you to participate in this with us. Now, here's the best news. We have somebody with us this morning that is way smarter and way better than me to lead us in this pursuit. Carla Worley is a dear friend of my family. She is also a force of nature. She is a teacher. She is a speaker. She is a songwriter and a performing artist. She is a mentor. She is so much else. Among other things, she is a storyteller. As a matter of fact, Carla has literally traveled the world 
telling the stories of Jesus and teaching others to do the same. And we are blessed to have her with us to lead us this morning. Carla, would you come up here? First, hear me say... How that was a little much. Oh, come on. <laughs> I could have gone on for 30 minutes no. about all the things that you've done. Well, then I'll go on about you, and then they'll all Gosh, go, that's a terrifying thought. Going Please home. don't. They don't need to hear those stories. <laughs> Let me first say thank you. We are yeah. so grateful for you and for your time with us this morning. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got started on this journey of storytelling. Missionaries. So our missionaries around the world use story, storying, oral storying, as a way to plant churches, uh, especially in areas that, where there is no Bible in their language or where um, it's hard to get Bibles, too. So um, this is how they, they meet with a small group. They tell them orally. They learn them. They process them out loud together exactly the way we're doing it. And the church is growing all over the world because of that. Okay. So if that's how you get started, that's, that's fantastic. I can't guarantee this, but more than likely everyone in this room and everyone watching us online right now have a Bible in their language. Yeah. Most of us aren't ever going to be in a place where there isn't a Bible in their language. So why is storying important for us? Well, storying is working in the, in, the, in the States because we have a Bible and we can read, but we don't read. Um, we might have seven Bibles, some of us, but the, the number of us who actually read it, really read these stories, not just one verse here and one verse there, is amazing. And all you have to do is walk around in your, in your community and see all the AirPods and know that we'd rather listen to Audible than we would read a book. We are engaged orally everywhere. And we love to talk to each other. We love to listen to each other, tell stories about what's happened to us. So that's why this works here. And you also, you might be in the grilled cheesery, and there be no Bible nearby, and you need to talk to somebody about God. So it needs to be in you. Are you suggesting there aren't any Bibles at the grilled cheesery? I don't know about your grilled cheesery. Um, <laughs> uh, the grilled They're cheesery very is nice people. Of worship, as far as I'm <laughs> One final question, and then I am going to leave the stage and, and let you teach us and lead us. Um, what is the hope, the end goal of storying? To reproduce uh, what I hear when the word of God falls on me and takes root in my heart, that I'd be able to carry it and then tell what I heard to someone else. They'd be able to carry it and tell it to someone else. That's how we design it to work. That's why we make the stories easy to tell, keep them short, so that even if I'm not a believer... I can remember a story, and I can say to somebody else, hey, I, I heard this today. Let me tell it to you. What do you think about it? That's awesome. Um, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm to sit down and <laughs> say thank you. You are amazing, and we love you. Thank you. Um, okay, so like you said, um, Jesus, the Gospels tell us Jesus always taught with stories. He, in fact, he was never without a story. 
And it's okay that we tell a Bible story this morning orally because they didn't have written down any of this stuff for centuries, right? They just passed it along like this. And so only in the last few hundred years have we all felt like we needed to open a book in order to know about God. So um, whenever Jesus taught, he he told great stories, he asked great questions. So we are going to ask some questions after we learn the story. And questions are great. I'm learning. I'm a teacher, and I love to tell you every geeky thing I've learned about a scripture that I've studied for a while. I used to study for the preachers, and I just love all that geeky stuff. But what I really need to do is to learn to listen to you and ask you questions and follow what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart as the scripture is falling on you. So Jesus asks great questions. And the thing about asking questions is... We always answer a question truthfully, even if we don't do it out loud. To ourselves, that answer comes. So I'm okay with that. If some of the things that we ask today in response to this story, you just know, you know the answer, but you can't say it out loud. And that's why it's good in conversation to ask questions and let it sit with people. So this story... uh, Jesus told on a day very much like David was talking about. The crowds would gather around him, huge crowds, and he would teach them sometimes all day. And on this day, this is the story that he told. A farmer went to sow his seeds. And as he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the pathway. And the birds came and they snatched it up before it could ever take root. And some of the seed fell on rocky soil. And it did take root. But then when the sun came out and it got hot, it withered and died because it didn't have deep enough roots. And then some of the seed fell among the weeds. And it grew up, but so did the weeds. And they choked it. And it died. But some of the seed fell on fertile soil. And its roots went down deep, and it grew and grew and grew and produced way more than had been planted. Then later, Jesus' disciples said, why do you tell that story? And he said, God himself told us that people would hear and hear and hear and hear, but not listen, not understand. And so be very careful how you hear. And how you listen. Do you understand the story? He asked his disciples. Because if you don't understand this story. You aren't going to understand anything else. I tell you. About what God does. So here's what this story means. He said the farmer is God. And the soil is God's words. I mean the seed is God's words. And the soil is the heart of the hearer. So he said, this is what it means. The seed that fell on the pathway, it's like someone who hears God's word, but the enemy comes right along behind and just snatches it up before it can take any root in their lives. And the seed that fell along the rocky soil is like someone who hears God's words and it starts to take root, but then hard times come and it just can't hold because it doesn't have deep roots. So it does. And the seed that fell among the weeds is like someone who hears God's word, 
But the worries and the cares of the world took it out. But the seed that fell on the fertile soil is like someone who hears God's words and it begins to sink down into them and takes root. And then it begins to grow and grow and grow the things of God. So be very careful, Jesus said, about how you hear. You want to hear that again? Because I just told some of you know it well and some of you don't know it. Okay, here it goes. Um, a farmer went to sow some seeds. And as he scattered his seeds, some fell on the pathway. And the birds came and they snatched it up. And some of the seed fell on rocky soil. And it took root, but its roots didn't go deep enough. So when the sun came out, it withered and died. And some of the seed fell among weeds. And it grew up, but so did the weeds. And they, they choked it out. And some of the seed, though, fell on fertile soil. And that soil took root And it grew and grew and grew and produced way more than it had been planted. Then Jesus' disciples later said, why do you tell that story? And he said, because God said that people would hear and hear and hear, but they wouldn't listen. And they wouldn't understand. Do you understand what this story means, he said? Because if you don't understand this story, you won't understand anything else I tell you about God. So here's what it means. The farmer is, and the seed is, and the soil is the heart of the hearer. So the seed that fell along the pathway is like a person who hears the word of God, but the enemy comes and snatches it away. And the seed that fell along the rocky soil is like... Someone who hears the word of God and it begins to grow in them, but then hard times come, so it withers and dies. And the seed that fell uh, along among the weeds is like someone who hears the word of God and it takes root and it starts to grow, but then the, the cares and the worries of the world choke it out. But some, the, the seed that fell along the fertile soil It's like someone who hears the word of God and they receive it and it goes down into their life and it begins to produce many times over the things of God. So Jesus said, be very careful how you hear. Okay, let's practice a little bit more. You tell, you help me tell the story back. How does it start? Somebody just shouted out one part. A what? A farmer set out to sow his seed. And as he scattered the seed, what? Some of it fell on a path. And what happened? The birds came and ate it up. And some of the seed fell on rocky soil. Good. And... What happened to it? It withered when the sun came up and it got too hot because it didn't have deep roots. Yeah. And some of the seed fell where? In the weeds. And it grew up, but what happened to it? 
The weeds choked it out. But some of the seed fell where? On the fertile soil. And what happened to it? It took deep root and it grew and grew and produced many times over. Then later his disciples asked him what? Yeah, why do you tell that story? And what did he say? God said, people would hear and hear and hear, but they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't understand. Then he asked them a question. Do you understand? Because if you don't understand this story, what? That blows my mind. You won't understand anything else I tell you about God. So, what's the meaning? Oh, the farmer is, the seed is, and the soil is the heart of the hearer. So, the seed that fell along the path is what? Someone who hears God's word and what? You have masks on, so you're going to have to really talk. (laughs) Yet the enemy comes and just takes it up before it can take root. And then the seed that falls along the rocks is like someone who hears and what? They what? Yeah, hard times come. And what happens to the word? It withers because it didn't have deep roots. And some of the seed falls among, and what happens to it? By the cares and the worries of the world. And then the seed that falls on the fertile ground is like someone who hears God's word and what? Yeah, it goes down deep in them, and it thrives. I love that word. It thrives and produces so much of God. And the last thing Jesus said was what? Be careful how you hear. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you, what do you like in this story? There's no right or wrong answer to these questions, by the way. What do you like in this story? Oh, yeah. God's word was given to everyone. He didn't just sow it in the fertile soil. Yeah. That's kind of surprising to me. Is it because he's just going to indiscriminately throw it out there even where it's not going to take root? Wow. What else do you like? Yes, I like that God's word produces fruit. Jesus is telling me this is how God works. He produces. People thrive. What else do you like? Take your mask off and yell at me. I really can't understand her when she's saying something awesome. Yeah. You like that? The different things that happen when they hear God's word? I do too. Yeah, because it bothers me when people don't listen when I tell them stuff, right? 
So I would not include that in my explanation of what I do. For instance, if I had introduced me, I would not say she speaks and her children don't listen to her. You know? So um, anything else? What bothers you in this story? Or what, what question do you have when you hear this story? You feel responsible for what? Who's responsible for the soil? Is that what you asked me? Ooh, golly. Who's responsible for the soil? I feel responsible. And those of us who do ministry of any kind, whether we do it full-time or we do it lay ministry, we feel like I'm responsible for the results. So I end up like arm wrestling people for, on God's behalf. And I better win. Yeah. And Jesus doesn't tell us who's responsible for the soil in that story. Anything else you don't like or bothers you? How do you know if your heart is good soil? What a great question. And that's what I love about Jesus telling stories is that For rabbis like Jesus, a story work kind of like for us stand-up comedians. So when you're listening to a comedian tell a joke, he tells you a long story, and then there's a twist. And some people laugh at it, and other, other people are offended by it. And so it reveals the heart of the listener. And Jesus was doing the same thing. The way I respond to this story shows God a lot about my heart. So... I, the first time I ever read this story, I am like, you know, thinking of all the people who have bad soil in their hearts and thinking how good my soil is. I'm not one of them, right? But come on. On any given day, would you say you have good soil or bad soil? Depends. On a good day or a bad day? Yeah. I would say some things I hear and I listen to and other things I don't. Yeah. So probably on any given day, there's all those kinds of soils in the same field of my heart. Yeah. Anything else you don't like in this story or bothers you? Yeah. We don't like it when the devil gets to do his thing, but if Jesus is telling us how God works and we need to understand how God works or we won't understand anything else about God, then one of the things we have to understand is that the devil is also at work. And if God is planting, then he's uprooting. Yeah, and probably so in the weeds that were in there, too. Yeah. Oh, you hear what he said? The sower doesn't always have to be God. It needs to be us as God's representatives. We are called to everywhere we go, make disciples, sow the seed. And that's one of the reasons I love stories is because a story works like this. If you learn enough of them, you get them in your heart, they're kind of like a wardrobe. You know, like, so we live in Middle Tennessee. Today it could be 30, tomorrow it could be 70. 
Also, I think about, I'm going over to Lachlan. Sometimes I get hot in their sanctuary. So why did I wear this sweater? You know, but I choose what I'm going to wear based on what, what's going on that day. And I can just pull it off the rack because I already went and bought it and put it in my closet. And a story works the same way. If you have enough of that scripture in your heart, you can be in the grilled cheesery and be in a conversation with someone. And the Holy Spirit will just take a story right off the rack and say, tell them this. Listen, I have friends, this women's Bible study that I was teaching, and we decided to learn some stories together. And we learned the story of Abraham and Sarah and all Sarah's schemes about how she was going to make sure she got a child like God said she was going to get and how that worked out for her. And, if, and as we were studying it, one of the women said, I'm sorry, I am never going to find an occasion when I need to tell this horrible story. It's just not going to come up. And one of the ladies, I just love her, Betty, got up and she walked across the room and she put her hand on Janice's shoulder and she started praying, Lord, I just pray that you would give Janice the chance to tell this story to somebody who needs to hear it. And I just ask you to put it down deep in us so that we're ready to tell it. And the next week, Janice said, you won't believe what happened to me. I was getting my nails done and the little Buddhist lady who always does my nails was telling me about her son, and she was just going on and on about what he was doing that she didn't agree with, and she was going to have to get in there and meddle with it. And before I could stop myself, I said, oh, that's just like Sarah in the Bible. Do you know the story of Sarah in the Bible? Well, of course the lady didn't, so I told it to her. And at the end, she said, oh, no, that's what I'm doing. What should I do? Janet said, I think I'll pray for you. You know, she said, I never, ever thought I would be praying for that lady with that lady or that I would talk to her in any way about God. And I didn't even think the story was about God. I thought it was about Sarah. And so that's the wonderful thing. I think about us sowing the seed. It's really the Holy Spirit sowing the seed. I just have to have it in me. And then he casts it wherever he wants. Because as we learn from the story, he'll cast it anywhere, anywhere he can. Okay, let me ask you this question. What does this story tell you about God? No right or wrong answer. What is it saying to you? Yes, he gives his word to all no matter how they receive it. <clears throat> yeah. What else? He does love everybody. There isn't anyone, the Bible tells us, that he wants to perish. And he goes to great lengths. He doesn't force his word. He doesn't force his way in. You have to receive it. Yeah. He respects us. Yeah. So if I'm going to represent him, that tells me I can't force God into people, no matter how bad I want them to believe in him and love him. Yeah. I pray for my grandchildren right now, a couple of them. And I want them so bad to say, yes, I believe and I want Jesus to live in my heart. But I can't make them do that or it won't mean anything. I have to wait. What else does this story tell you about God? He's generous. Yeah, there's plenty of seed. I got more words. I got more life to give. He's very generous. There's plenty. 
Okay, what does this story tell you about people? Yeah, some people are open and others aren't. And God wants me to know that. Jesus said, I want you to know this about the way God works. Some people are open and they aren't. These guys were going to go in the face of great persecution all over the known world and tell people the word of God. And some people were going to not listen. In some places, it was going to go like gangbusters. And Jesus wanted them to know that. What else does this story tell you about people? They're what? They respond. They have a choice to respond or not respond. Yeah. And I, I learned from this story about people that there's other things at work. Like there's the enemy at work, but yeah, there's also like hardship at work. And there's the cares and worries of everyday life that's also at work. And they respond to all of that. Okay, what is this story, if it's true? And I say if it's true because you're going to talk to people who don't assume it's true or don't believe it's true. But if the story is true, I believe it's true. What's it saying to you right now? If this story is true, what is it saying to your heart? You see, here's where we answer the question honestly to ourselves. People don't often want to ask, ask, ask her this question out loud. But does anyone want to tell us what it's saying to you? You have a responsibility to sow and nurture the seed. Yeah. Oh, you have a responsibility in your, of your, the field of your own heart. Yes. Okay, so you're answering his question. Who's responsible for the soil? I am. I'm responsible to till up that hard place. I'm responsible to get those weeds as much as I can out of the way so that I have fertile soil for it to land on. And that's why I think what happens in our lives as Christians when we feel like, I thought I, thought I, I, thought I dealt with that, but we keep having to weed, 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 or we keep having to till up rocks and find more rocks and work on that one part of our life because that's where it is. Yeah. Yeah, say it again. Because I wasn't looking in your direction. Yeah. It's not enough. I mean, people can hear and hear and hear, but unless you really listen and let it go down in you, sink down and have deep roots. And if any of you are gardeners, you know, you have to tend and water and keep the conditions good for that plant to take its roots. Then we can withstand things that we can't withstand when we just like heard it in youth camp and we know it's there, but we never actually applied it to our life. Right. You're going to have to take your mask off for me. Even though times are challenging, you still have to listen to God. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah.
oh, wow. Okay, so what he got from that story is um, that because there's all different kinds of soils and they can be in one heart, I don't give up on someone just because in one area of their heart they're not listening. Yeah. That's so hard for me uh, because we're so results-oriented. And, but, you know, God, Jesus is quoting when he says people will listen here and here and here, but they won't listen. They won't understand. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah. I mean, he's quoting God talking to Isaiah. You know, in that wonderful story we love where he's, he says, who will I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Well, he does. The next thing he says to Isaiah is, okay, I'm sending you. And you're going to speak on my behalf, and no one is going to listen. They're going to hear and hear and hear, but they're not going to listen. And when you get through, this nation is going to be like a field of dead stumps. Well, that would make me want to go. But that's how I feel sometimes. I feel like field of dead stumps. And I've been doing this now for however long, so God must want me to move on. But this story tells me maybe not. Maybe not. Okay, the last question we... Okay, go over with me the questions we've asked. Because these are good questions to ask. Even in a conversation, you can ask one or two of them. The first question was what? Nope. What do you like in this story? What do you not like or what bothers you? That's such a great question because I'm allowed to be bothered and not like something that's in the Bible. What was the third question? What does this story tell you about God and what does it say to you about people? And if it's true, what's it saying to you? There's a final question we ask, and I'm going to let David ask that question. We, in church planting, missionaries always end with this question because, as I said, the point of learning a story is reproducing it, being able to tell it to someone else, and it gets passed on. Um, yeah, the final question, and I, I have been privileged to hear Carla teach story and tell stories, and, and she always ends with what is probably the most important question, which is, who are you going to tell the story to this week? Again, the idea of, of reproducing, the idea of having this closet full of stories, just like your friends in your Bible study, praying over one another, saying, give me an opportunity this week to tell the story. And how would that change us into like a first century church if every time before we left we prayed expecting God to do something with what he had put in us when we were together this time so over the next four weeks we are going to be studying some of the parables of Jesus Carla thank you um as we do it's going to be in a much more traditional manner um the way we do on most Sunday mornings. But each Sunday, I want us to think about this. I want us to think about Jesus sitting before a crowd of people, telling these stories, just like he did here in Luke chapter 8, following up, asking the questions, what does this story mean to you? What does it mean? And then unpacking that with people, because that's exactly what it would have looked like. Each week, we're going to pray for opportunities to reproduce that, to tell those stories. We're going to pray that our hearts are good soil. Those stories take root. Um, And each week, if you want to hear the stories again, on Wednesdays, we send out um, an email. It just got 
a couple of general announcements that you may want to know things that are going on. It's got links to devotionals. And starting this week, we're going to have a link. Carla, I probably should have asked you this before I said it into a microphone in front of all of these people. To Carla telling these stories, each story we're going to study. If during the week you want to go back over this, you want to hear it, um, we're going to give you that opportunity. If you don't get that email, you can just text Lachlan to 623-623, and we'll make sure that you get on that list. Finally, as Drew and his team come up to close us out in our time of worship, I would love for us to pray together. Lord, it is our desperate desire that our hearts be good soil. We are so grateful that you are the great sower, constantly sowing your word. May we be a fertile field. Thank you so much for the opportunity to listen this morning, for the opportunity to learn this morning. And we pray that this week, as these stories take root, you give us opportunities and boldness to reproduce these stories out in our communities. We pray all these things in your son's precious name. Amen.